America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guest on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar, the number four, children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Hi, I'm Angela Peabody of Global Woman Peace Foundation, and I listen to America's Meditating Radio Show. Get off the grid and step inside your heart. Sister Jenna guides you through a powerful, encouraging, and motivating meditation that allows you to let go and become aware of you, regain strength, power, and peace. Take a break. Breathe. Why don't you visit the Peace Village Learning and Retreat Center, 518-589-5000. That city Oh, God. 
Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. I hope you're doing very well and moving and thriving and growing and complaining and criticizing and whatever you do to just try to keep moving the day forward. And I'm realizing now more than ever the importance of self-checking, that the more that we can keep checking what our thoughts, feelings, and actions are presenting, the more we can get on with ourselves and understand who we are, why we're here, and who we belong to. Can you imagine that very, very simple question, who am I? Not what am I, but who am I? How many of you can actually answer that question in an instant, like one and one is two, two and two is four? Who am I? We spend 24-7 with ourselves. And someone comes up and says, so who are you? And we give them a long list of what we do, accomplishments that we've had, titles that we own. But who am I? Who am I behind the titles, the accomplishments, the money, the position? Who am I? Who's creating the title? Who's making the money? Who's feeling? Soul? Is it the soul? Is it the living energy? Is it the being of light? The life force in the body? And if so, what is that? Why is it that everything that we experience and everything that we see and everything that we hear gets recorded in the soul? And that recording is driving what we do, (laughs) what we interpret, who we think we belong to, where we think we come from where we think we're going. It's a huge research and it's a huge topic. I was having a conversation with Dr. Andrew Newberg, who is the pioneer for neurotheology. And Dr. Newberg was sharing about how when he researches the brains, the brain's reaction to people having an altered spiritual experience, how he can see something neurologically happening in our brain. And Imagine now the soul lives in the brain. The soul is positioned inside of the brain. So imagine that whatever we're feeling, it's also physically showing that something is happening to me. So every thought, everything I say, whatever I see, whatever emotions I go through, it's impacting spirit. I find it incredible. It's it's an amazing realization. Stay tuned. We are going to interview Elizabeth Lesser, author of The Seeker's Guide, Broken Up, Marrow, and a lot more, and find out more about ourselves as we enjoy hearing some of her thoughts and ideas. Before I get Elizabeth on the line, I would like us to do a very simple meditation. Just from my off-to-work meditation CD, I just wanted to do one on silence. So just take a deep breath. Oh. 
Om Shanti. This mantra, Om Shanti, I, the soul, am peaceful, reminds me that today I will be quiet. Today, I will spend the day as silent as possible. Silence isn't an absence of speech. It is an absence of waste and negative thoughts. So when I interact with everyone, I will come from a deep, pure place of silence. And with every step that I take, I will carry peace, power, and the love for silence. Meditation CD, Silence. The American Meditating Radio Show is proud to welcome Elizabeth Lesser. Elizabeth is the co-founder of Omega Institute and recognized internationally for its workshops and conferences in health, wellness, spirituality, creativity, and social change. And she's also co-founder of Omega's Women's Leadership Center and founded in 1977, The Omega Institute welcomes more than 30,000 participants each year to its campus in Rhinebeck, New York, and more than a million people visit its website for online learning. In 2008, Elizabeth helped Oprah Winfrey produce a 10-week online seminar based on Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, which was viewed by more than 8 million people worldwide. She was also a frequent host on Oprah's Soul Series and a weekly radio show on Sirius XM and has been a guest on Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday. Today, we're honored to welcome Elizabeth Lesser to America Meditating Radio. Om Shanti, Elizabeth. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Wonderful to have you. I know that you've studied with a Sufi master for many years. You've also studied with many spiritual teachers, healers, psychologists, philosophers. You've been busy studying. What has (laughs) been inspiring you on the spiritual path? And the second question I have for you is, are you now more focused on studying yourself? So what has been inspiring me over the years is the first question. Yeah, what has inspired you in your spiritual path, yeah. Well, I've been like a kid in a candy shop. You know, I was uh, born a seeker. I was born into actually a family of atheists and intellectuals, and spirituality and religion had no place in my family. But as you probably know, Sister Jenna, people are born with a soul stamp. It doesn't really sometimes matter what kind of family you're born into. I just wanted spiritual food as a child, and there wasn't any in my family. And, you know, I was the weird little kid of the family who would, like, trail after my neighbor to Catholic Mass or anything I could do to have some kind of, like, spirituality in my daily life. 
so when I was very young, 17 years old, and uh, gurus from India started washing up on the shores of America, I thought, I want one of them. And very early on, I became involved in different um, Eastern spiritual paths, and then I was fortunate enough to find my spiritual teacher, Pirvalayat Khan, a Sufi master from India, as you said. And he was the one who had the idea to start Omega Institute and put me and some other folks in charge of it. And so since I was in my early 20s, I've been exposed to a wide variety of inspiration and teachers from, you know, Eastern paths, Western paths, brain science, creativity, you name it. I have been inspired by just about everything, sometimes too much. You know, I've had to kind of mm-hmm. like uh, limit what I take in because at Omega, people come from all over the world to teach. So I would say I have just been inspired in every way you could imagine. Now, does sometimes make you feel a little bit lost, almost like in a spider's web? You know, luckily for me, I've had a very strong inner compass. You might call it a highly refined bullshit detector like i've <laughs> i've had to i've had to have it because i've invited hundreds and hundreds of teachers and speakers to omega and i've had to refine like okay who of these people can really help other people heal and grow and seek who's in it for their own self-aggrandizement who's in it really to serve so as i've had to develop that as in my work it's helped me myself like not just become like a dilettante and jump from thing to thing even though there's so much available to us now it's really important to stay focused on just a few things Um, because spiritual practice isn't about filling up your cup with everything you can. It's more about learning discipline and silence and peace. And so being ADD about it isn't going to help. So, yeah, Mm. it could be a spider's web. And, of course, at times it has been for me. But I've really learned how important discipline is. Mm, I'm glad to hear that. I think discipline is a very huge precursor in creating your authenticity. I was having an interview with Stephen Dynan from Shift Network about a month ago, and Stephen didn't even know that every morning I wake up at 3, 3.30. I conduct a morning class every day at our museums at 6, vegetarian every hour on the hour. And Stephen was like, I totally didn't even think about the power of discipline in spiritual practice because we tend to think spirituality is so free-flowing and mm-hmm. free-moving, which it is when you're disciplined. Do you have a particular discipline routine mm-hmm. that you practice to keep you in tune so that you have that bullcrap detector which you can know when that <laughs> person is just not there for the right reasons? <laughs> um, yeah, I have to say that discipline has a bad rap now, and it's a mistake. You know, whether you want to learn to play the piano well or you want to learn to be a great basketball player, no matter what you want to be great at, discipline, honing skills, so important. You know, I'm a writer. I've written books. And if I weren't disciplined at making myself sit in my seat and write, no matter what I feel like, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I would never write anything. And if I hadn't 
decided I'm going to learn the skill of writing from teachers and from reading and just from doing it like I wouldn't do anything. It's really the same with spirituality. Of course, that asks you, what do you even mean by spirituality? And to Mm -hmm. me, it's, you know, you are like... I have, in getting ready to speak with you, I listened to a whole bunch of your tapes and videos, and you have the most beautiful access to the depth, just your voice, and how you guide people towards silence and a vast consciousness. That didn't just come to you. The world is so full of distraction and fear and all sorts of voices coming from negativity in order to stay in the center, in the beauty. I'm not surprised to hear you get up so early. Now, I could never get up that early. That just doesn't work for me. (laughs) It kind of makes me nauseous. (laughs) I think I have practice. Back in the days when I was in my 20s, I owned nightclubs. I think I'm just used to being up late or early. Who knows? (laughs) But I want to go to your TED Talk that you did in 2011. It became so popular. Take the other to lunch, which was really a call for civility and understanding as we negotiate our differences as human beings. And of course we're going to be different. If everybody was the same, we'd be bored senseless. Now, you and I, our country, and the rest of the world are in a confused state. I will not even believe that a Trump supporter isn't even a little confused about what to expect. So after such a divisive election campaign, where my heart goes out to the Clintons, because they've lost so much, but they won, I think, in many other ways, which maybe you and I will never be able to understand what their inner being must be going through in terms of their own realizations. But what are your thoughts about how we can now come together and maybe heal or learn to live more together than before? Well, thank you for asking that. You know, you asked me in the last question, what is my discipline? And at the moment, my discipline is exactly what we're going to talk about right this minute. To me, there's meditation by yourself, and then there's meditation in action. And at the moment... My practice, my prayer, my vivid, constant, heart-beating prayer, what I'm practicing every second is staying open right now, staying in the pain of what people are feeling in this country, what I'm feeling in my heart, what the Clintons are feeling, staying in the confusion that everyone's feeling, not turning away from it, not wallpapering it over with, oh, it'll be all okay, but really committing myself, as one would, to a practice, to a mantra, committing myself to staying open and to praying for loving kindness toward everyone. Do not believe for a minute that those who supported Trump are all to be painted with the same brush Everyone is different. Everyone chose this next president for different reasons. I have to stay open as a spiritual seeker and practitioner to the true heart of every other human being. I think Mm -hmm. it's a mistake now for people to say, 
those people who voted for him are this way, they're racists, they're bad. Those people who voted for Clinton are this way, they're the elite. That's just not true. We're all so, you know the way Walt Whitman said, do I contradict myself? Yes, I contain multitudes. Each one of us contains multitudes. We have all sorts of stories and reasons And my practice right now is to greet every human being, regardless of their political leanings, as a complex human being with all different (laughs) sets of needs and to stay open and loving and ready to talk. We have to talk to each other, like that TED Talk I gave several years ago when I decided I was going to take the lunch. People Mm -hmm. who disagreed with me politically and not talk Mm. politics but talk about who are you you know how you open today the question who am i i want to ask with that same penetration who are you what is your dream what is your source what is your soul i want to know your soul let's do that Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting because um not only are your writings very needed now your conversation take the other out to lunch and TED talk is definitely very current but in your book broken open how difficult times can help us grow i think we're also raw still elizabeth mm-hmm. it's like there are many things going on our own inner inner complexities our own inner division that we actually need to address and i think the fact that everything now has been taken up from under the rug mm-hmm. and all the emotions that we're going through, mm-hmm. we can take as long as we want to point the finger on blue and red and black and white and gay or straight. But what are you feeling and going through is really the work here. And mm-hmm. so I am sure these times are helping us to grow in ways that you and I might not even know right now. But tell us when we're challenged, right? And we mm-hmm. and we either feel broken or down or defeated. What tends to determine how we respond to our challenges? Well, first of all, uh, to go back to how you opened the um, show today, uh, mm-hmm. bringing us into silence. Silence, we think of it as without sound but for me it's without the inner turmoil there's a lot of turmoil inside all of us the night after the election the night of the election i was in so much turmoil i was shocked because i generally am able from my years of practice to still myself and to know that all will be well and on a cosmic level everything is making sense everything is good and as it should be, and and we are on a trajectory toward evolution. I truly believe that, but I was so unable to access that place that evening. All I could do was cry and, and worry. And it's taken me a few days to get back to the silence, so I wonder those who do not have the years of practice of returning to source that I have and you have and many of the listeners have It's going to take this country a while to um, find its footing again. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for those of us who know how to access a place of peace to speak up now, to speak up for non-reactivity, 
first of all, to find it in ourselves, to find the place that doesn't judge others as wrong and bad. And mm-hmm. the way I do that is to, I, I have a particular way of accessing meditation when, when things are difficult. And it's to sit in that posture we all know and love of our straight back and to really, really find more than ever that sense of strength. I like to think of myself as sitting on a saddle on a horse, and Mm -hmm. I am a noble person, queen or a (laughs) king, riding through the kingdom. I feel this sense of like my seat in the saddle, my back really strong. And the reason I, I do that is so that at the same time I keep my chest really soft so I can feel everything, the tiniest little feeling of every person. But if you do that right now in these times of turmoil without a straight back, without a strong Mm. sense of dignity, inner dignity, this is the meditation I've been doing every day now, strong back and really, really soft front, a heart Mm. that can feel the pain of the person who voted for Trump, of Trump. Can you imagine how confused and overwhelmed he must feel right now? I know somebody will say, I don't want to feel that about him. But if you have a strong back and a protected sense of being, you can allow all the feelings in, all the loving kindness in. I'm not saying I have an answer right now, I have a, yeah. but I have a great opening and a great curiosity as to what God has thrown in our lap at the moment. Yes, yes. That was beautifully said because we are looking to strengthen the heart and yet at the same token keep it soft, gentle, mm-hmm. which I would say keep yourself humble. I think mm-hmm. not only mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. our ego affected, but just a lot of hidden issues in the spirit. And, yeah. you know, yeah. one of our astrological friends, Joni Petrie, she shared in a reading about she she predicted Donald Trump was going to win the presidency. But in her sharing, mm-hmm, she said that he has come on this stage to be a game changer. That he's going to knock everything out of the roof that we're accustomed to. And I'm looking at it, and I keep saying to myself, "That's definitely happening. It's mm-hmm. definitely happening." And I just want to be hopeful, not naive, but right. hopeful that this experience is well has changed him and is making him more human in terms of, wow, you mean I belong to the 4% of the world's population and I didn't know people lived like the way that they did. So who knows? You know, there might be hope at the end of the tunnel. We want to talk about your new book before we close our conversation, Marrow, A Love Story. And in the book, you're actually sharing the story of two sisters uncovering the depth of their love through the life and death experience of a bone marrow transplant. Could you tell us why you wrote that book and a little bit about it? Sure. And oddly enough, it has a lot to say about what we've just been talking about. My Mm. younger sister, I come from a family of four girls, her lymphoma came back. And this time, all she could do to save her life was to have a bone marrow transplant. And, um, even though it's rare to find a perfect genetic match, we did, and it was me, and I became her bone marrow donor. And when I did a lot of research into it, I discovered that if she made it through the lethal, near lethal 
chemotherapy she had to get in order to kill off all of her bone marrow. She made it through that. She still would face other threats, one being that her body might reject my cells, my marrow cells, once they got into her, and that my marrow cells might attack her body. They call it rejection or attack. That's the clinical name for it. And both could kill her. And when I heard that, that even at a cellular level, we reject and attack each other, I thought, wow, my sister and I loved each other, but we had a long history of rejecting and attacking each other also, uh, in little ways and in bigger ways, bigger betrayals. And I asked her if she wanted to, before I had my bone marrow harvested and transplanted into her, if She wanted to go through some therapy sessions with me to go back and revisit ways we had attacked or rejected each other, clean it up, practice forgiveness, openness, and maybe we could teach ourselves to get along afterwards. (laughs) And she agreed, which surprised me because it wasn't the kind of person she was. And we did do that. And we went through this process of um, holding up to the light the ways in which we had hurt each other and not listened to each other made assumptions about mm-hmm. each other. And in putting aside those assumptions, what rose to the surface was our soul selves. We called it our soul marrow transplant. Mm. And I wrote it because for that year that she lived after the transplant, which she called the best year of her life, both of us gained so much from being more intimate with each other, more honest. And I wrote it. She wanted me to write it as an invitation to other people to have those kind of conversations without Mm. a life or death situation. And I think the kind of conversations people are going to have to have this Thanksgiving, let's say, or Christmas when families get together in the wake of the election, some people voted one way, some people voted another. We got to learn how to talk to each other across different so that we don't reject and attack. That's what the book is about. It's, It's a memoir, it's a story, but it's really about really talking more deeply to each other, having soul marrow transplants wherever we can. Mm, That's deep. Wow, that's very deep. Wow. This must have changed you when you were done with the last chapter in that book. Mm. Yeah, it was a profound experience because I thought the the answer was going to be, you know, the the classic happy ending and then she lived forever (laughs) after the transplant, but the cancer came back. The transplant itself worked in that she lived, and they had only given her a few weeks to live if she hadn't had the transplant. She lived for mm-hmm. a whole year, but mm-hmm. the cancer came back, and I didn't think the book would end that way. None of us think any of our stories will end necessarily the way they do, but mm-hmm. there's life after the story, and that's what we're interested in now for America, too. What's what's life after this story, what's the new story? And I did create a new story for myself in a way after my beloved sister died. I'm living in it now. She died a year and a half ago. And, you know, that's what my book Broken Open was about, too. I called it the phoenix process. After the mythic phoenix bird dies, a new bird rises from the ashes. So I'm always interested in what is the new story. 
can we create it together? Um, right. And what does it look like? And if we all could do our part, and it's it's not that big a part. We all don't have to like become activists or UN delegates. We just have to listen to each other and drop assumptions and find out who are you, who am I at the soul level. I believe that's the deepest work, the most important mm. work. Nice, well said. Well, thank you for this time together and for being so open and naturally you. That was definitely communicated in our conversation. Oh, thank um, you. I, I, mm. I appreciate your work so much. Mm, thank you. Thank you. In closing, leave America with a better vision for yourself that would make the country better and a website that we could get in touch with you if folks would like to find you. Okay. America talk to each other don't we can't say we can't say i am one we are one unless everyone is one everyone not just the people you think are one with you we're all one we're all americans reach out to people you don't agree with that's the that's the work and you can reach me at elizabethlesser.org or at omega institutes website, which is E, the letter E, and the word omega.org. Beautiful. Thank you so much, and sending you oceans of good wishes, continued growth, and many blessings. Thank you. Mm, All the best. Take care. Thanks, Elizabeth. Bye. Grounded, rooted in your spiritual faith, despite the myriad of options that you might have. Pretty good, huh? Hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Elizabeth Les. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. Come by the Meditation Museum if you happen to be in town and do tell your friends about the America Meditating Radio. Not because you have nothing better to do, but because you have something good to do. <laughs> take care, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Here's Kristen Hoffman, Between the Veils.
Like a shockwave straight through your heart, wanting you back. 